At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is our number three of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got a tremendous hour for you as coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Brad Thomas. He does a great job over there at NBC Sports Bet. And he is going to be talking with me a little bit about what he's looking at for the upcoming college football season as. Week zero, it is right around the corner, so cannot come soon enough. We're going to be talking to Brad about that. I'll be talking a little bit about what we wound up seeing on Monday in terms of the Carolina Panthers deciding to ride it out with Baker Mayfield to give a little bit of thoughts there. And then towards the back half of the show, give you guys some baseball picks for this upcoming Tuesday. So we're going to get a little bit of everything covered here on this final hour of the look at and. We've got a lot to talk about with regards to what we did wind up seeing in the NFL on Monday as we did wind up seeing the preseason week two wind up wrapping up. Not a lot of takeaways from Jets versus the Atlanta Falcons as I still think that the Falcons are going to have the worst record in the NFL. And a little bit of that was tied to what we were going to be seeing in terms of the Carolina Panthers because I also think that the Carolina Panthers are going to be in for a relatively rough season as well. And if you're taking a look at their market odds to have the Worst record in the NFL right now, the Houston Texans, they are currently finding themselves leading the way at pretty much every sports book that does offer this. Obviously, this is something that not every single book is going to wind up offering, but I know that DraftKings and most of the major ones, especially out there on the East Coast, this is an offering that they do wind up having. And when it comes to Carolina Panthers, still do think that they are going to be sinking up the joint this season. I don't think that we're going to see some unexpected like Super Bowl run for the Carolina Panthers or anything like that. And I think that we are not going to see Baker Mayfield wind up starting 17 games. I feel very safe in saying that because, for one, I mean, even if Baker Mayfield winds going out there and winds up just playing tremendously, we saw him banged up last season at Cleveland. I think that he's fully healed from those ailments that he did wind up suffering, but still, Baker Mayfield, guy that's six foot one, two fifteen. It is a physical league. It's a 17 week season. I do think that inevitably we will see at some point. We will see at some point him probably wind up missing a game, maybe even more due to injury, and that'll allow Sam Darnold an opportunity. And I do think that this could be one of those cases in which when you wind up having two quarterbacks, you wind up having zero because I know that there have been some reports that Sam Darnold did not wind up looking the world's worst when it came to the Carolina Panthers. I've seen a couple of conflicting reports as to what we wind up seeing in terms of the training camp battles as well, but certainly not a case in which I do think that either of these guys are necessarily going to be barreling down the hatches and necessarily doing the world's greatest job. But that said, when it comes to this Carolina Panthers team, a 
a lot of their success slash lack of success is actually not going to be based around whether or not Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold is going to be the starter. As I do think that you've got a pair of guys in which it's not going to be too big of a difference as to who's starting on a week-to-week basis. This is not one of these circumstances where you've got Aaron Judge here and Jordan Love way down here. It's more like you got Baker Mayfield and you got Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, I think, is a little bit of a better quarterback at this time, but not a guy that I think he should be making a world of difference if you do wind up having at some point him go out and Sam Darnold wind up taking over for him. I think that that's very fair to say, but you got to be taking a look at who's going to be able to stay healthy in terms of skill position players for the Carolina Panthers because much of the demise of the Carolina Panthers that we've been seeing the last few seasons is that guy by the name of Christian McCaffrey, who, when fully healthy, is the ultimate fantasy football running back being able to stay healthy because when it comes to just not being able to run the ball when having a quarterback of the ilk of someone like a Baker Mayfield, a Sam Darnold, that winds up being to the detriment. And I honestly do think that if you wind up putting either Darnold or Baker Mayfield in a circumstance like we were seeing with, for instance, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, where you don't need the quarterback to wind up doing a whole heck of a lot. You do need the quarterback to be competent. You can't wind up having like Nate Peterman or something like that be the quarterback, but certainly you don't need to have Aaron Rodgers 2.0. You don't need to have Patrick Mahomes 2.0 out there. Both of these guys, I do think they have a little bit of upside, and I do think that a lot of people forget that Baker Mayfield, what he was able to do during the 2020 campaign was actually very good when he was fully healthy and he was firing all cylinders. I think that it is fair to say that the injuries last season, they wound up having a pretty profound effect as to what wound up happening to him. You could tell that he was playing on 100%, and you're able to take a look at it one of two ways. You're able to take a look at it and say, you know what, Baker Mayfield, he wound up having this big fall-off from what he wound up doing in 2020, where his touchdown-to-interception ratio was north of three. He was doing a great job of being able to move the ball down the field. His QBR was solid. We were able to go down the list of the accolades of him. And then in 2021, wound up throwing 13 picks. He was trying to do a little bit too much. list goes on and on of what we wound up seeing there and you're able to make the excuse of injury or you're able to take the flip side of it and say everyone winds up being banged up during the NFL season. This is your job. And you know what? There's two schools of thoughts there. Now, what I do think is a little bit telling about Baker Mayfield is obviously the fact that he could not wind up getting on the same page with Odell Beckham Jr. And prior to him going down with the very unfortunate injury in the Super Bowl, we were able to see what he was able to do with the LA Rams and shall we say, a unique circumstance where he wound up joining the team midstream. He was trying to get down the offense, and he was still able to provide that, you know what, maybe Baker Mayfield was a little bit in the wrong, but I do think that Baker Mayfield does wind up giving this Carolina Panthers team the best opportunity to be able to win, but really neither of these guys are going to have too much of an opportunity to be able to win unless if they wind up having a healthy running game, unless if the offensive line winds up playing a little bit above their skis as well, because you do take a look at this offensive line, and Fair to say, it is not necessarily the production that, say, the Dallas Cowboys, when they had Tyron Smith fully healthy and everything like that, were able to provide. This is a Carolina Panthers team that they do need to give either of these guys an opportunity to have a little bit of time in the pocket, be able to take the edge off by being able to get some chunk plays on first down with the ground game. That is going to be very important for this team, and I honestly just don't think it's going to happen now. Very interesting what's going to be happening in week one as it is going to be the Carolina Panthers against the Cleveland Browns. you got to figure that there's going to be just a lot of love and support from the Cleveland Browns faithful 
for Mr. Baker Mayfield. I'm sure that some of them will make the trip up to Carolina because it is going to be a Panthers home game. And right now the line that we're seeing is the Panthers being a one and a half point favorite currently at DraftKings with a little bit of juice, minus 105 on the Panthers, minus 115 with the Cleveland Browns, but certainly going to be an interesting matchup in that one as you've got out there for the Browns. Someone not named Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett, who figures to wind up getting the starting role there. So got a lot, and I mean a lot of intrigue with regards to that week one matchup. But when it comes to the Panthers overall, I do think that the one thing that they do wind up having to their advantage is the fact that the early season schedule, the first two games, sets up very well for them. They wind up playing against the Browns without Deshaun Watson. That's a winnable game for them. Going on the road against the New York Giants, they are going to be probably a little bit of an underdog in that circumstance, but once again, winnable game, first-year coach, Danny Dimes, not a guy that I'm buying into. But then, you wind up taking, down the, taking a look down the list. Even though they wind up getting that game at home, the New Orleans Saints are that team in the NFC that I really think people are sleeping on. I was seeing their win total for much of the offseason, anywhere between 8 and 8.5, and depending upon where you shop, and I think that the Saints could be a playoff team. You were able to get plus money in a lot of markets as to whether or not they would be a team to be able to make the playoffs on the yes. And I do think so, even though you do wind up seeing Sean Payton out of the fold. They were hit by so many injuries last season. Michael Thomas wound up not playing at all. You wound up having Jameis Winston go down. And prior to Jameis Winston going down, he looked competent. He didn't look like the guy that was going for the good old 30 and 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Typically, we talk about that in baseball, not necessarily so much in football. And this is still a Saints team that they got a 9-8 and eight record last year, despite the fact that Taysom Hill was giving them stars. I mean, if you're able to get to 9-8 and eight with Taysom Hill giving you stars, once again, I was talking about how if Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield were in a circumstance where they were surrounded by a relatively solid running game, they were surrounded by a solid defense, they'd be able to have a little bit of success. Guess who has that? The New Orleans Saints. Now, Alvin Kamara could wind up missing a few games due to what we wind up seeing off the field during the offseason. That is certainly something that does should not wind up getting scoffed at. But when it comes to the Saints, I think that they're in for a very good year. And I think that they could wind up being able to legitimately sweep the season series over there, along with the team that I have absolutely no reverence for at this point whatsoever, the Atlanta Falcons. And when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, I really wouldn't want them to either the over or the under because... I think that there is a chance that they do wind up sweeping those two games against the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they could come out early part of the season and they'd be able to split against the Browns and the and the New York Giants. That winds up putting them at three wins right there. Trying to find wins the rest of the schedule is going to be a little bit of a challenge. They do wind up getting a home game against the Detroit Lions, but the Lions are a team that I think that they're sort of on that same par of the Carolina Panthers. They've got a guy in Jared Goff that, once again, Jared Goff, when you wind up putting a good defense and a good ground game around him, we've already seen him get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that just goes to show right there what, and I air quotes here, average to below average quarterbacks are able to do when you do wind up surrounding them with weapons. The Panthers, they clearly don't have those weapons. Fair to say that the Detroit Lions, they don't wind up having those weapons either. They are also going to get a game late in the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers and The Seattle Seahawks, even though the game is on the road, that's a little bit of a grody team. I do think that the 12s of the Seahawks can never be overlooked because that is one of the best home field slash home court advantages they're really going to find in all sports, not just professional football, but you just look across all sports teams. I think that the Seattle Seattle Seahawks fans, they do an absolutely superb job of being able to pack that stadium, make it very loud on a weekend and week-out basis, so not necessarily an easy out there. So, I mean, if anything... 
I would be looking more at the under rather than the over. I really wouldn't want to have any part of it, though. But I do think that there is a little bit of upside here for Baker Mayfield. But before you wind up firing in on a bunch of overs on Baker Mayfield props, keep in mind he was banged up last season. And also keep in mind that if we wind up seeing a musical chairs quarterback here with the Carolina Panthers, because you've got a guy, Matt Rule, that he is legitimately coaching for his job. His hot seat is about as hot as it winds up getting. That is something to keep in mind with that as well. And something else to keep in mind is that college football is on the way. Brad Thomas, he does a terrific job over there at NBC Sports Edge. He is going to be joining me next. We're going to be taking a look at some of what he likes for this upcoming college football season and week zero. That is on the other side right here on VEASAN Esports Banking Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We are back here on the look at right here on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, and it is great to be joined by our guest. Brad Thomas does an amazing job taking a look at so many betting markets, whether it be golf, whether it be college football, over there at NBC Bet. And Brad, it is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This should be fun. It is going to be a lot of fun, and you know what is going to be a lot of fun? Being able to finally take a look at some college football as Week Zero lines there. Oh, it is going to be in our lives before we know it. And I know that you're taking a little bit of a look at an over for one of these games as well, as it's going to be Vanderbilt going up against Hawaii. In a lot of places, we're finding this total right around about a 55-ish. Take me through why you do like this game a little bit more to the over. Yeah, so this is an interesting game. I know a lot of people are instantly going to be on Hawaii because of the 11-1 and against the spread opening numbers, but I'm actually going to be on the over, like you said, because we have two very, very bad defenses here. We have the worst defense last year in the SEC and the worst defense in the Mountain West. Well, for me, we know there's a changing of the guard at Hawaii under quarterback. It's actually Vanderbilt. I think we see an improved offense from Vanderbilt this season, which allows him to score more points on a Hawaii team who is already giving up somewhere around 31 points per game. And this is a Vanderbilt side who, yes, they're playing against SEC competition, but they were giving up about 35 points per game. The problem that Vandy's going to have defensively, they're playing a lesser competition in Hawaii, but they're going to actually have to travel to Hawaii. It's going to be all fun and games. It's going to be very hard for a team with just two wins on the season to focus and hunker down defensively. These games typically in week one always have 
an array of outcomes. And I think the outcome that we get in this one is going to be over a lot of lack of concentration, a lot of really bad defense. And here's a little bit of a sidebar question for you as well, because you mentioned it. This is going to be a game that's going to be played in Hawaii. When it comes to gauging home field advantage, when it comes to sort of these body clock games, whether it be to losing a bunch of hours in the case of Vanderbilt or gaining a bunch of hours, if it would be like a case of Hawaii coming over to the mainland, do you wind up having a little bit of a system in which you don't wind up just awarding the three points like we typically see in a lot of football games and you wind up tearing it a little bit more? Because I always think that this is something very interesting to take a look at, not just for college football, but sport to sport as to how to be able to gauge home field slash home court advantages and how that winds up varying in the situation. Yeah, I definitely waited a little bit more than the three. And I also wonder if books start are starting to become wise to it. But we see this year after year where teams come over to Hawaii. And not only is it the, the, the time difference, but it's also the lifestyle difference. You're not going to send your team out there and they're not going to go out. To, they're not going to do any of the luau's. Yes, they are. They're going to have <laughs> fun. They're in Hawaii. It's It might be week zero. But for a lot of these guys, this is the first time and the only time they'll ever get to go to Hawaii. So, yeah, I include that in my handicap. And originally, I wanted to just blindly bet Vanderbilt um, minus seven because Vanderbilt should have the better the better offense coming in this year, and their defense is another year improved. But then we have to remember the Hawaii effect is in place. I didn't want to touch the spread at all. Yep, I do not wind up blaming you there because Vanderbilt, it is still an SEC team going up against Hawaii, so there is clearly a little bit of a talent difference. You're going to be able to get better recruits over there at Vanderbilt's, but with that said, I personally wound up going to Hawaii a little bit over a month ago as well, and I can tell you it can be very distracting. So I do <laughs> firmly agree with you there. And then we were talking about a little bit of an over that you like. Take me through a little bit of an under that you like, wind up liking in week zero, because I know that it involves the Northwestern versus Nebraska game. Yes, Nebraska versus Northwestern, Dublin, Ireland. The weather looks great. looks like a 60%, you know, this sounds like typical Big Ten football weather. I'm backing Northwestern team total under 19 and a half points. A lot of people remember this Scott Frost team as, you know, the team that could put up points and the defense kind of got overshadowed. They were actually an elite defense in terms of elite compared to their record. Let's put it that way. This is a defense that only allowed 22 points, eight points per game. I'm backing their I'm backing the under here and I think they're going to be really good defense of this game because one thing about Scott Frost, he had all of that set success at UCF. He was such a great coach, a coach that led them to the national championship. But now it's make or break for them. Now they know that they need to get results. Last year they played Northwestern, it was 56 to 7. I don't think that Pat Fitzgerald, whether he starts um, Sullivan or Helinski, will get the quality out of their offense. It's just not something that's just going to click overnight. This is an offense that was averaging somewhere around 4.4 yards per play, and they only had 10 passing touchdowns. It's going to be a one of those games where both coaches have already talked about this. Yes, they're going to be dealing with jet lag. Yes, they're going to be dealing with distractions. Yes, they're going to be dealing with all the things that that come with when you go to Ireland. And I think that even though the total in this game set around 50 points, I think the bulk of those points are going to come from Nebraska. Their defense is going to hunker down. This is a Nebraska team. Now, I have to remind you, a Nebraska team that had 15 guys enter in the transfer portal. Yes, one of those was Casey Thompson at quarterback. But they did get some good guys to replace the secondary that they lost. I think that's going to be a good spot for them. A lot of people 
are going to expect this game to go over because they're instantly Nebraska. But I think that if it goes over, it'll be Nebraska who has to carry the total because their defense is going to shut Northwestern down. And with our good friend, Mr. Frost, you've got to feel like he's going to want to make a little bit of a statement because that seat getting a little bit warm. And what better way to do it than on a national scene out there in a whole different country in general. So that's <laughs> certainly something to take a look at as well. And Brad, I know that you do also a great job along with your college football coverage of being able to take a look at golf as well as we've got the tour championship that is going to be going down the field. It is getting whittled down smaller and smaller as we wind up going through, through the playoff. What do you wind up liking in terms of some outrights with regards to the tour championship? Because I mean, it is one of these cases in which it's a little bit less of finding a needle in the haystack because there's a couple fewer guys, but I know that certainly the quality, it is there. And it's interesting to take a look at with everything that we've been seeing with regards <laughs> to some of these guys that are no longer playing due to live golf. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So for those who don't know, it's a staggered start, which means Scotty Scheffler is going to start at 10 under. This go down to Patrick Cantley at 8 under, 7 under for Xander Shoffley. And so it's interesting because we have to find guys who have good value. But ultimately, you really think that a guy who's going to be in that 5 to 10 range would really win. Uh, my first bet is going to be absolutely on defending tour champion Patrick Cantley. He's starting two back with Scotty Scheffler, and his odds are about plus 425, plus 450, depending on where you get your lines. Well, the reason I like Patrick Cantlay is because he's had experience at this course. He knows about the stagger start, and he knows how important it is to be the guy on top defending their start. You look at his game, there's no real holes. Even when he won BMW, I went back and I looked at the stats of every golfer, how many fairways they hit, how many greens and regulations they hit, where they're losing or gaining strokes on the field all around the course. And if you looked at Patrick Cantlay's game, he didn't particularly hit that many fairways. And he didn't hit that many greens and regulations. What he did do was he avoided bogeys. And when you have a stagger start, when you're getting a lead over almost every single person in the field, you're just going to want to make birdies and avoid bogeys. An average score here for a good round would be about a 68, um, 69. If he goes out there and he puts together four rounds of 68, there's no reason why he shouldn't win. And I couldn't honestly, realistically get behind Scotty Scheffler. Everyone knows the history. There has only been one guy since the creation of the staggered start to ever overtake the leader and usurp them and become the tour champion, and that's Rory McIlroy, which he did starting five back in 2019. Well, if another guy who has a chance to take over Scotty Scheffler, it's going to be Xander. Xander Shoffley, and I say that because this guy has had immense success at Eastlake. He won here already. He, the following year, he finished, I think it was T9. And this guy is another guy who has no holes in this game. So when you're looking at golfers that you want to back and you're trying to understand why I want to back them, you have to find why they might not have won the week before. For some guys, it's putting. For Xander, it's ball striking. Uh, he wasn't particularly bad, but he's a lot better ball striker than he, than he put on during the BMW. So I think if he improves his ball striking, he'll have a chance to compete. And then... I absolutely have to have one long shot. I want it to be Roy McIlroy because he's already done this, come back from five or six strokes, and he has the game. But I just couldn't pay. I just couldn't take the three of the four top favorites. So I'm taking Sam Burns. Sam Burns with three wins on the season is sitting at plus 2,000. Sam Burns last week was one of those guys where I thought I was going to be pretty smart and he was going to come from behind and, and take over this tournament. But he actually just kept losing strokes on approach. 
Burns is a brilliant ball striker. When he's losing strokes ball striking, it's one of those things where you have to look to see what's going on. I think that the weekend and then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday allows him to get a perfect reset and get dialed back in with his irons. And he was just at that same mark that Roy was in 2019. So why not sprinkle a little bit of cash on Sam Burns at plus 2000 to win the tour championship? It is going to be a lot of fun to be able to take a look at this. And as you mentioned, the staggered start always makes things to be very, very fascinating because if you wind up seeing that number one guy falter, it's probably going to be feeling a lot of pressure. And a man that feels no pressure whatsoever always performs when the spotlight is on him. That'd be you, Brad. Always appreciate it. Great insights as always. Thank you. Brad always brings a lot of energy. It is always great to be able to get him aboard. Talk a little golf. Talk a little college football. Now coming up next, we've got a great slate of MLB action for this Tuesday. So we'll dive into that next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. I am. This is the look ahead on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The College Football Guide is out right now, and the Pro Football Guide, that is going to be dropping on Thursday. Start your season on the right foot with expert profiles on every single team, including trends, power ratings, over-under recommendations. Plus, we've got you covered on best bets for season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Remember that the only way to get access to both betting guides this season is by becoming a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for our discounted football special and get access to everything that we do now through the Super Bowl. That is for just $175 or save 50% off the monthly price by getting an annual subscription and becoming a smarter better all year long. Go to vsan.com slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the Sports Betting Network family as it is vsan, the Sports Betting Network, more specifically the look at and a big thanks to Brad Thomas. Provided absolutely great insights. Taking a look at well, we're going to be getting out there on the links this week with the Tour Championship and taking a look at a few Week Zero games for college football as well as football. It is coming back into our lives. We're getting more and more of it, getting a little bit of a taste when it comes to the preseason. College Football Week Zero, which I could wind up doing a 20-minute rant on why Week Zero is like one of the dumbest names ever, but as a different discussion for a different show on a different day. But with that said... At the very least, what Week Zero means, even if the name isn't correct, isn't the world's greatest, is that we have college football back into our lives, and Brad does an absolutely amazing job of taking a look at it. So a big thanks to him, and before we wind up getting to that football, we do have a lot of baseball on the slate. There's lots of money to be able to be made on the board, so let's take a look at some of the games that we're going to be getting on Tuesday, and right now we've got seven interleague games that are on the slate for Tuesday, a little bit more than normal, and I do think that it's interesting to take a look at this one. 923-924 on the board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road. They're facing off against the Kansas City Royals. It's John Heasley is going to be going for the Royals and Zach Davies on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are between a minus 120 to a minus 125 favorite. Between plus 105 and plus 110 is your price on Kansas City. Total on this game, you're finding it at a 9. Seeing a couple straight 8.5s, and if you're finding an 8.5, juice very heavy on the un- on the over on the 9. You're finding the juice a little bit heavier on the under end. When I take a look at this total, I wound up setting mine at a 9.7. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've actually been one of the best teams at being able to go yard on the road this season. At home, they average just under one home run per game, but on the road, they've been able to get right around 1.3 home runs 
per nine innings, and they're going up against someone in John Easley who hasn't necessarily allowed the deep ball too much, but his command has knocked him out of games very early. He's been giving up a little bit over four walks per nine innings. As a result, he's got an ERA that's north of five, and as a matter of fact, he's got a home ERA that's a little bit higher than his road ERA. Lots of issues all the way around. Now, for the Kansas City Royals, they wind up counting, countering that offense with the fact that they've been able to do a little bit better themselves. Vinny Pasquantino, ever since the All-Star break, he's been hitting above a 280. We've got MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, a couple with Bobby Wood Jr., all giving you between 14 and 17 home runs. For much of the season, they were dealing with Salvador Perez being banged up, so that winds up being able to provide a little bit of pop. And then for the Arizona the Diamondbacks, it's been a case in which they've been really relying upon that home run ball because you don't necessarily have a lot of guys hitting for average, but Christian Walker, ever since the All-Star break, he's been hitting above a 260. You've been able to get some good production out of someone like a Josh Ross, who's been able to hit about a 280 for this team. Ketel Marte, when he's been out there, has been solid, but he's been dealing with a little bit of a nagging hamstring injury that he wound up having act upon him a little bit over a week ago in Colorado. So that is something to keep in mind when it comes to this. But when it comes to both of these bullpens as well, something else that you want to have sort of in the back of your mind as well when you take a look at the total, if you're taking a look first five slash full game, or if you're just taking a look at just how to be able to play this thing in general. Both of these teams have not been great in terms of their bullpen. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 24th in the league in terms of ERA. The Kansas City Royals, dead last in the American League in terms of their bullpen ERA at a 466. Been really bad for someone like Josh Shamont, who ever since he came off the injury list, has north of an 8 ERA. Luke Weaver, the former Arizona Diamondback, he has not necessarily been too terrific as they actually wound up being a little bit of transition for these teams just before the trade deadline. And Emmanuel Rivera wanted coming over from the Kansas City Royals. He's got four home runs. In about 50 or so at-bats with the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's really been able to excel for them. I was talking about the batting average not being so great with the Diamondbacks. Since Rivera's come over, he's been hitting above a 275 for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that is something else to keep in mind. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you do have Joe Mantiply who's been able to provide the team with a sub-3 ERA, but Sean Poppin, Long Kyle Nelson, two of their more trustworthy pieces in the bullpen, they're both currently on the injured list. Both had sub-3 ERAs, which means that now you're relying upon a little bit more Noe Ramirez, Mark Melanson, Edwin Yuseta, guys with north of a 4 ERA. So I do think that it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game. But Zach Davies, someone who has spent much of the season on the injured list, as a matter of fact, all of July on the injured list, he's come back and he's looked relatively solid. He has went 15 innings in his last three starts. The team, I believe, has went 2-1 and one in these, and he's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA ever since coming out the injury list and making that first start against the Cleveland Guardians. Meanwhile, for Heasley, there's just not a lot of protection for him. The long guys for this Kansas City Royals seem far from terrific. And something else that winds up coming into play here as well is that the Royals, they did wind up having to play a game on Monday. Meanwhile, the Arizona the Diamondbacks, they did wind up having a day of rest now for the Royals. It was a day game, so that means that it's not like they wind up having to play late into the night on Monday and then have a big giant turnaround or anything like that. But for the Royals, they were unable to get five full innings out of Daniel Lynch's starter. So that taxes this bullpen a little bit more as well. So I do think that that lends itself to a little bit more of an edge with the Diamondbacks. I'm going to lay the right around minus 120-ish that we're seeing with the Diamondbacks in most spots. I was going to lay up to a minus 123. And the total, I think that eight and a half to nine, quite a bit too low in this spot. I was willing to take north of a nine and a half over personally. So... I do think that it's a good spot for the Diamondbacks and the over in the circumstance. So that's where I'm going to be looking with this one. And then another one of those interleague games, it is going to be in the Mile City, Coors Field, as we go 925-926. It is the Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies with Irma Marquez going for the Rockies and Dane Dunning, hoping to be stunning Dunning for the Rangers. And 
The total on this game, you're finding it at an 11. Pretty heavy juice on the under end with the Colorado Rockies. They're between minus 118 and minus 125 favorites. Meanwhile, anywhere between even money and a plus 112 is your price on Texas. And the big key here for the Texas Rangers is Dane Dunning's home and road splits. Ever since he was acquired by Texas from the Chicago White Sox prior to the start of the 2021 season, Dunning's home ERA has been a full two points better than it has been on the road. You don't want any part of Dane Dunning on the road. You want a big part of Dane Dunning when he's at home. Unfortunately, that is not going to be the circumstance from here. And for Irma Marquez, three runs or fear allowed in five out of his last six starts. The overall numbers for Irma Marquez, it's not necessarily too pretty. He's got north of a five ERA, and at home he's got a worse ERA than he does on the road, as he at home has been giving up well over 1.8 home runs per nine innings. It's not necessarily been too terrific, but been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. And those home run numbers are a big reason why I do like this total over because with the Texas Rangers, you've got a lot of guys that are able to go yard. Ado Elise Garcia is currently riding a 19-game hit streak. He has been able to go deep 19 times for the team as he, along with Corey Seager, both hitting right around about a 255 and for Seager. Leads away with 26 home runs. Nathaniel Lowe has been able to do a nice job setting the table. He and Leody Tavares, both hitting above a 285 double-digit amount of homers for Lowe and then for Marcus Simeon. He had no home runs through the first 40-plus games of the season. He's all got 19, so he's been able to turn around things very nicely. And for the Texas Rangers, they don't necessarily back up Dane Dunning with the world's greatest bullpen. As ever since Joe Barlow wound up going on the injured list, things have just went dramatically downhill for the Texas Rangers as you've got someone like Josh Saboris who has been posting up north of a 5 year Brock Burke, Matt Moore, these two guys have been able to do a solid job. But really past that, you haven't had a lot of good bullpen pitching. And with the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they just have funky home and road splits. With the Rockies this season, they've been a relatively solid home team. They've been able to win 39 games at home. They've been able to do a really solid job when they've been out there in Coors Field. And you've got 18 road wins. They've got the worst road record in the National League right now. Meanwhile, they're 35-31 and 31 at home. So very dramatic splits as for the Colorado Rockies. They're a team in which the big thing for them in terms of their splits is that they just generate so much more power when they are at home rather than on the road. The Colorado Rockies, among National League teams, they are dead last in terms of home runs on the road with 0.6. They get 1.15 at home, which that's average to slightly above average. Someone like a CJ Chrome, for instance, he has dealt with some nagging injuries recently, but he's got overall 23 home runs this season. 17 of them have come at home. Brendan Rodgers, he's got 11 home runs this season. 10 of them have wanted coming at home. The batting average winds up getting bolstered by about 35 to 40-ish points, and a lot of these guys, like a Lucas Gilbreth, they pitch significantly better at home rather than on the road. For Gilbreth, a sub-250 home ERA compared to north of a 6 ERA on the road. Daniel Bart over the last two seasons, he's had an ERA that's a full point and a half lower when he is at home rather than on the road. So I do think that there is a lot to like with regards to Colorado Rockies at home. When they're on the road, it's not necessarily so terrific. And I will say for the Rangers, they're one of those rare teams that they've been able to play a little bit better on the road rather than at home. But we have seen things go very south with regards to this bullpen after they wound up having a very good start to the season. That injury to Barlow wound up really setting them behind as this is a Texas Rangers bullpen that they are 21st in the league in terms of bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break for the Rockies. Hasn't necessarily been so great for them either, so I take a look at this 11, and I think that there's good value to the over, and with the way that Dane Dunning has been pitching on the road, I'm going to be willing to trust in Irma Marquez and a Rockies team that has been significantly better when they have been at Coors Field. And coming up in the final segment of the look at, we're going to be taking a look at my DK Nation pick 
for Major League Baseball on Tuesday. And along with that, going to try to give you guys as many winners as humanly possible from this baseball betting board for Tuesday. That's coming up on the other side right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Betting Network. It is the final segment of the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Greg Oops Spears and filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And if you're listening to me live up well- at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You're going to be catching a replay of myself. I don't know whether to say you're welcome or to say that I am sorry, but that said, if you're listening to a replay of this, Follow the Money is going to be coming up next. And They've got a great show coming up. Matt Humans is going to be joining them. You've got Paul Stone, one of the absolute wizards of handicapping college football. He's going to be joining them along with Tim Jenkins. He's a little bit of a quarterback trainer slash guru. So we're going to have a lot that is going to be coming up to get you set for what is going to be a tremendous football season. Mitch and Pauly, best in the business. So you guys are in for a lot of fun there. And hopefully you're in for some winners in this final segment as well as I take a look at what we're getting for this MLB slate on Tuesday and I do one DK Nation write-up every single day, and today we wind up picking the Brewers versus the Dodgers game as we wind up going 909-910 on this one. It is going to be Corbin Burns and Tony Gonsolin doing battle in what is going to be a great pitcher's matchup, and not jokingly, the Dodgers, as they seemingly always do, find themselves as a favorite as you're going to be laying anywhere in the neighborhood about a minus 145 to seeing as low now as a minus 132 on the Dodgers. Meanwhile, with the Brewers, you're going to be getting them as good as a plus 130, about as bad as a plus 122 with a total on this game of seven. And with the Brewers, needed at least about a plus 110 to be able to take a shot on them, being able to get the plus 125 that we are seeing. And actually, we wound up seeing this open up closer to a plus 130 to a plus 135. So we've seen a little bit of buy-in on the Brewers here. That really does appeal to me, even at the little bit of a diminished number. Still do like the Milwaukee Brewers because with Corbin Burns, He's actually been better on the road the last two seasons than at home. His home ERA is actually a full half a point higher over the last two seasons than it has been on the road with Burns. He's given up just five home runs across 69 and two-thirds innings. His home run per nine rate on the road is actually half of that that you're going to find at home. An opponent's earning just a buck seventy-four off of him. He has been completely dealing with regards to getting a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings and actually has been able to get more than three old strikeouts per nine innings, more than Tony Gonsolin, who he throughout his career has been absolutely amazing at home with opponents hitting a buck 49 off of him. He's a lifetime 27 and three in Los Angeles with a buck 53 ERA. 
there's signs that point to a little bit of regression with them because Gonsolin overall for the season has, has a 2-1-2 ERA, both home and road starts, but got a 3.35 fielding independent. And with Corbin Burns, even though his full season ERA is higher, his fielding independent is lower to 301. Much of that is because Corbin Burns gets a few more swings and misses. He does a better job of being able to not have as many balls in play in general. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they've got a trio of guys that have at least 22 home runs this season. That is the only National League team that's able to say that, obviously. you got the New York Yankees and the American League side of things that are able to, but you've got a trio of guys in William Adamas, Ruddy Tillas, along with Hunter Renfro, that have all been able to give you 22-plus home runs. Renfro has been a little bit banged up, so he's getting a home run every about 14 or so at-bats this season, and we all know about this fearsome L.A. Dodgers lineup. I mean, you've got guys like Mookie Betts who are able to go yard 20-plus times this season with Betts at the leadoff spot. It's been incredible. And then you've got Trey Turner, Will Smith, throw in there Freddie Freeman, all between 16 and 18 home runs this season, and all these guys, except for Smith, hitting above a 300 as well. So they've been able to do a good job. But at the bottom of the fold, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Austin Barnes, they're hitting a sub 210. So that is something to take a look at with the Dodgers. And for the Brewers, Kesson Hira has been hitting right around a 300. He's been able to get a home run every about eight or so at bats over the last three days. That has been a nice spark for this Brewers team. And something else that's big with the Milwaukee Brewers is that they're going to have their closer available. Despite the fact that they want winning against the LA Dodgers, on Monday, they didn't have to burn up Devin Williams, who's allowed just two earned runs over the course of his last 39 appearances. There have been a few unearned runs along the way. There was a wacky game against the Cincinnati Reds a few weeks ago, but certainly he's been able to do a solid job there for the Dodgers. They are a team that has been very good at home all season long, but I mean, also keep in mind before you think that the Dodgers are just completely unable to lose back-to-back games, they've already lost three straight games to the Pittsburgh Pirates at home this season. Now, obviously, that was quite a while ago. You have to go back to very late May slash very, very early June for that, but the Dodgers are fully capable of losing multiple games, and this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that they've got the Cy Young Award winner from 2021 on the mound for them. Now, with the Dodgers, they do have the best bullpen ERA in the National League, and it's not necessarily been the household names that have stepped up for them. Craig Kimbrell, I would argue, is a team's biggest liability at this point with the way that he has not been good towards back half of games. They do wind up getting back for starter Griderall. He's been a little bit shaky when he's been out there this season. It's been more or less guys like Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson that have been able to come through for them. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they also didn't wind up having to use up Brad Boxberger as well. Someone who's got a sub-3 ERA has been a good bridge to be able to get to Devin Williams. So that is going to be able to help them out. Corbin Burns, I think, is going to be able to do a good job of being able to fill six, maybe even seven-plus innings for this Brewers team because he does allow only about 2.3, 2.4 walks per nine innings, which is actually, once again, less than Tony Gonsolin as well. So I think that there's very good value here getting a plus price with the Milwaukee Brewers. I do also like this total under. I do think that we're going to see a very low-scoring game. Jason Weingarten, who wound up joining me in our number one of the show, he is also in lockstep on that one, and I completely see where he's coming from, even at a six and a half. I would like this total under just because I do think that it's going to be hard for both of these teams to muster a little bit of offense. Keep in mind, nighttime game out there in Los Angeles. Ball doesn't travel the same during the nighttime as it does during the daytime. Makes it a little bit harder to be able to get those home runs. So I do like this total under, and I do like being able to get the plus price here with the Milwaukee Brewers. And then when it comes to what else we're going to be seeing with regards to this baseball slate for Tuesday, how about if we go to a team that they have scored three runs or fewer, and I'm not even kidding here, 20 out of their last 21 games. 
That'd be the Miami Marlins. They're on the road facing off against the Oakland A's. This is 929-930 on the betting board as it is going to be Pablo Lopez who's going to be going for the Miami Marlins and Zach Logue is on the bump for Oakland. Total on this game is between 7 and 7.5. We saw this open up at 7 in a lot of places and we're seeing a move to 7.5 in a few books out here in lovely Las Vegas. Meanwhile, with Miami, you're going to be finding them anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 140 favorite between plus 118 and a plus 125 is your price on the Oakland A's. And with the A's, I would need a little bit north of a plus 130 to be able to take a shot here. This would honestly be a circumstance where I would much rather take a run and a half rather than trying to lay a run and a half with the Miami Marlins with the Miami Marlins. They did wind up opening up more around about a minus 130 to a minus 135 favorite. And currently the best number I'm seeing is here at circa minus 131, which is pretty much the max that I'd be willing to lay with the Miami Marlins, but I'd be willing to lay it just because I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game. With the Miami Marlins, they just laid it out. Three runs or fewer in 20 out of their last 21 games. They really don't have anyone other than Asus Aguiar that's healthy and able to go yard for the team. And Asus Aguiar wound up getting the day off on Monday. So they did not wind up having anyone in the starting lineup with more than six home runs this season. This is late August, people. And the Miami Marlins have that much of a shortage of offense. Now, someone like a Charles LeBlanc, who did wind up going yard on Monday, he's been able to do a solid job being able to move the line. You've got someone like Joey Wendell sitting right around 260, but... I mean, it's a very, very grody offense at this point. It's not like the Oakland A's are much better. You do have a pair of guys, Sean Murphy, Seth Brown. They've been able to give you a combined 33 home runs this season. But really, other than Murphy, you don't have a single guy that has seen more than 25 at-bats this season. Hitting above a 250 for this team. Got a lot of dead-bats out there in the lineup. Now, part of this is because Oakland is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. And when you do wind up getting nighttime games like this is going to be, the Marine layer is out, so... It makes it very hard to be able to drive the ball. And by the way, the attendance for the game that we wound up seeing on Monday, sub 3,000. So you really don't have a lot of fans to be able to distract these pitchers because you could probably wind up having a fan get thrown out for arguing balls and strikes with the umpire because the attendance has been that bad in Oakland thus far. That's a discussion for another day. But when it comes to Zach Logue, he's been able to do a solid job against lesser competition. When he does wind up having to step up, Face off against the big boys. It's not necessarily been so great, but he's already made a pair of starts against the Detroit Tigers. He was able to look relatively solid in both of those. And this is a lineup that is similar, if not worse, than the Detroit Tigers. A Tigers team that has 72 home runs thus far this season, but the Miami Marlins have just been decimated by injuries. And with the Oakland A's, you do have a relatively solid bullpen behind Zach Logue as well, as you do have Domingo Azevedo, Danny Jimenez, A.J. Puck, you're able to throw in there Zach Jackson, Sam Mall, all posting up a 3-2 ERA or better. And for Pablo Lopez, that has been a little bit of a struggle for him recently, but he has still been able to generate right around 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings. And he's actually been much better on the road rather than at home, which is a little bit strange because his home ballpark of Miami, it is known as being one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in baseball, but 334 road ERA compared to a 436 ERA at home. Needs to keep down the deep ball. He's been giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings this season, but I mean, going up against this Oakland A's team, I should be able to help out with that quite a bit. He hasn't been giving up too many walks, right around 2.4, 2.5 walks per nine innings. I just think that when you wind up seeing something demonstrative like this, like what we are seeing with the Miami Marlins, there's just no chance whatsoever of taking it over. If you wind up having the Miami Marlins go off and get a bunch of offense, that's great. You tip your hat and you move on. I will trust in the Miami Marlins continuing to not generate a lot of offense and I think the Pablo Lopez could be able to turn a good start against another bad offense. One to lay up to about a minus 131 like we're seeing at Circa right now with the Miami Marlins. And 
We've got you covered here on v on VSIM with a lot of things. We're getting you set for the upcoming football season. And for those that are listening to the replay, follow the money. That is going to be coming up next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.